Um, I had this for Friday night. I had talked to him a couple of things, and he said he wanted me to share some of it. So here we go. I wanted to see how many of you knew just how many people had died worldwide with this coronavirus stuff before we started and go into some other stuff. How many of you have an idea? Not at all. Over two million people have died worldwide. Got quiet in here. United States, um, they say over 375,000 people have died. Just here in Florida, over 20,000 people have died. Now, my question to you here, Branson, people on the Internet, we have people watching all over the globe, is I just, my heart gets bothered because I immediately wonder of two million people, how many of them went to hell? And when I pulled up these numbers, as I was pulling up these numbers, immediately it flashed on my screen. It said, Indonesian jet lost. Immediately, when I was pulling up those, those numbers. And I thought, Lord, I wonder if those people that got up that morning and got on the, the, that Indonesian jet thought they were going to die today. Kind of, kind of serious in here, huh? I wonder how many of the people that got COVID thought, this is my day, I'm going to die. How many of you have ever asked the question, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? What's the purpose? Why did God put me here on this earth? I'm going to tell you. It's to find out of those two million people how many of them were saved. All over the globe. That's our job. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. That's what we're called to do. That's who we are. It's not to be sad about it. It's to be happy about it. That we get the privilege of doing something that a lot of people don't. You say, I don't know about all this stuff. And I know it got serious in here and I know it got quiet in here, but you'll get happy in just a minute. Because you know me, I can't be sad. Have you ever seen me too sad? No. No. Because God is not sad. Let me, I'm going to skip over and read some, read a verse to you. I'll get out, get out of my sermon notes here. I don't stay with them too well anyways. You know that. Let's see if I can find it here. I'm not a good sermon notes person. Let's, let's look at, um, we have to read some, some scripture because Keith's probably going to see this. 
um, uh, geez, I didn't put, they messed with my Bible program, and I'm having to go to a different place. Somebody tell me where it is. Um, the parable of the lost sheep, um, the tax collectors, I'll read it to you, y'all can see if y'all can find me the scripture for it. Um, it says, now the tax collectors, and you can listen anyway, you'll find it. The tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But Jesus and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law uh, muttered, This man welcomes sinners to eat with him. Rob, find it for me. Then Jesus told them this parable. They got it? There you go, Luke 15. Then Jesus spake them this parable. This may be NIV. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes back home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Then he goes on and says, Or suppose there's a woman who has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep her house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors and together says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. And the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Just one. Just one. Now, I know, and we'll get into some more of this in just a minute. I know a lot of people think they have to do a lot of things to make God happy. But this said just one sinner. Just one person. And a lot of people feel like, well, I have done a lot, a lot of things wrong. And I'm not really somebody that could witness to somebody because of the way I've lived all my life. I'm not somebody that knows enough about the Word. I'm not somebody that knows enough stuff. I just... That's just not me. I'm not a good enough person to do that kind of stuff. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. Does anybody remember Paul? Who doesn't remember Paul? He wrote like three-fourths of the New Testament. Now, who who remembers Paul? Yes. Okay. Let's see if we can find it. If, if I put it in here where, where Paul was. Okay. Um, Acts 9.1. I actually got that verse down. Paul was on his way. Well, let's just read it. I can get my scripture verses in, then I can talk. 
sneaky. Meanwhile, Saul, he wasn't even called Paul then, so you may have known him as Saul. I got it. That's why you didn't know. His name was Saul then. Okay. Yeah. That's why you didn't know. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He wasn't a disciple. He was, uh, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues to Damascus so that if it was found that there were any who belonged to the way, in other words, if there were any who were Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners. In other words, he was persecuting Christians. I mean, you might have been bad and doing some bad things against yourself, but you weren't persecuting Christians. Do you understand that? You might have been doing some bad things that hurt you or maybe your family or, you know, but you weren't trying to persecute the church. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, a sudden, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say, what did it say? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute all my Christians? No, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, my point in saying that is, well, we all know he got saved then, right? Everybody knows that, right? Who didn't know that? I'm going to teach you like I, I like to be taught, okay? Who didn't know Paul got saved right then? Okay, everybody knew. All right, so we, we know that Paul got saved right then. But the thing that I want to get across to you is, immediately when Paul got saved, Paul got direction from God as a job to do. Immediately. Say that with me. Immediately. immediately. When Paul got saved... He got a job to do. He got a job to do. Immediately, Immediately. when Paul got saved, he got a job to do. Now, five minutes before that, Paul was a sinner. He was hurting the church. Five minutes after that, Paul was working for the Lord. You don't believe me? Look at verse 5. It says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And he replied, Now get up and go into the city and I'm going to tell you what you got to do. Now how many of you, when you got saved... The Lord gave you some kind of direction. Go to this church, do this, do that, start tithing, uh, be a witness, tell you somebody about the Lord. How many did the Lord tell you something to do? There's hands all over this place. Because that's who the Lord is. That's who He is. When you get saved... The Lord begins to tell you something to do. Now, where we run into problems is, we'll get into that. Let's read what he told Paul to do. Verse 11. Y'all are laughing at me back there. 
That's okay. I like it. Verse 11. The Lord told him, verse 11, Go to the house of Judas on the straight street and ask for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying in a vision, and I'd seen him. Uh, a man named Ananias come to this place and his hands, lay, place his hands on him and restore his sight. He, immediately he gave him a healing ministry and a word of knowledge and everything else. Now, he was a sinner five minutes ago. Five minutes before that, he was a sinner. So ask me this. Say, does God hold my sins against me? Did he, Paul? Immediately when Paul got saved, he gave him a word of knowledge and a healing ministry. Immediately. He gave him a job to do for him. He spoke to him and he gave him something to do for him. He's no respecter of persons. Although I'm his favorite, he's no respecter of persons. We just read that. How many of you read your chapter last week and Keith had to remind me what that last verse in that chapter said? He doesn't show any favoritism. I said, yes, he does. I'm his favorite. But they can be his favorite too. But do you see what I'm getting at? Every person, when they are saved, immediately has a calling from God. God tells them something to do. Now, they may not be called to the five-fold ministry, but they do have a calling. But let me show you what happens to so many of them. Why they don't proceed. Look at Luke chapter 9. We'll just skip down to verse 60. Well, no, we better, we better read 57. I'll pull a Keith. Luke 9, 57. And it came to pass that as they went, a certain man said unto the Lord, I will follow thee wherever you go. You ever heard that? Lord, I'll do whatever you say. We were just singing, Lord, I adore you. I adore you. I'll follow you wherever you say. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the nest, and the birds have nest, and the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to, unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, this is red letters. Let the dead bury the dead. But thou go preach what? The kingdom of God. And another said to the Lord also, I will follow you. But, oh, that word. But, what did he say? But, can you say it with me? But, see, everybody doesn't want to say it. But, about a, a quarter of you say, but, 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 I'll follow you, but, 
first go bid farewell to them that are at home at my house. And Jesus said, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is what? Is what? Is what? In other words, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a lot of Phyllis's today. Phyllis, Phyllis just cuts right through it. You ever seen that? You ever seen me? How many of you don't like it? Uh huh. I caught you. I caught you. Uh huh. I caught you. I just tell it straight because I like it straight. When the Lord tells you to do something, and you say, "But I got to do this today." You ain't fit for him to ask you to do nothing else. I didn't say it. What color is that in your Bible? Who said it? Jesus. And so what happens is, I'm going to tell you a little story. When we first started the church... When did we start the church, Tom? 2002. We first started the church in Branson. We talked to somebody. They may be watching today. It's still the truth. It's not a lie. So I can tell it. We asked this person about coming helping us. Rob's shaking his head. He knows. Several people know. We asked this person about coming helping us. They said, yes, we would be very interested in doing that. A month goes by. Two months goes by. Three months goes by. Four months goes by. Five months goes by. Six months, seven months, eight months. A year goes by. We're building out the church. Building out the church. We already got everything done. They show up and say, I'm here. We said, huh? You're ready? We needed you a year ago. This has not happened once. This has not happened twice to us. This has not happened three times. This has not happened four. I can't tell you the number of times it's happened. That the Lord has dealt with us that somebody's supposed to come and help us and and they say, yes. But we need to fix all this stuff first and get all this stuff in order first and we need to do all this stuff first and then we'll come. I wonder if that's the way the Lord is. Did he tell Paul, go get all your things in order and then go do this? No. He said, if you have to look back and get all your stuff in order to, in order to do the things for the Lord, you're not even fit to do the things for the Lord. And so then time goes on and he comes and I say, we want you to, okay, we might can proceed, but in order to do it, we want you to do it this way. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. I said, we want you and your wife to do it together. Oh, no, 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 no. 
Because we believe everybody is a team. If, if the husband's in it, the wife is in it. It's great. We believe it. If, if he says, we're doing this, Phyllis, that's, guess what? Phyllis, you're preaching Sunday. Okay, here we go. No, 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 no. We're not having that. Sad to say today, they're divorced. Things fell apart. Life fell apart. They're not the only ones. What happened? What happened? What happened? It ain't about us. Do you see that? It's not about Keith and Phyllis Moore. It's about when God asks you to do something. There's, there's a whole body of Christ out there that's depressed, that's sad, that's on anxiety medication, that are unfulfilled because they're not doing the very first thing the Lord asked them to do. And so they've gone their own way trying to find fulfillment in their lives and they can't find it anywhere they search. They keep trying this and trying this and trying this and trying this and there's no fulfillment. Do I have any ministers in here that's ministered to people? Stand up if you have. Stand up if you have. The greatest joy you ever had, just raise your hand if you have, okay? The greatest joy you ever had, Tom, you and Amy are, kids, Cassie, uh, everybody that has. The greatest joy you ever had is it seeing somebody's life turn around. I mean, seeing something in their life change and seeing them go a different direction or seeing their marriage saved or seeing their kids turn around. What is that the greatest joy? Is, is that the greatest joy in your life? Seeing somebody's kids grow and, and not need their medications anymore or be able to walk or be able to do the things that they were supposed to do. Seeing somebody get saved that was not saved. Seeing somebody get healed that, that, that was not healed. Is that the greatest joys? Is it your house? Is it your car? Is it the natural things that you have? You can be seated. People seek these things. Now, I told Rob I probably wasn't going to do this, but, and I may do it before it's all over with, Rob. But I had, I had some cash. And I was going to burn it. Because what happens when you die? Your house, what happens to it? Your cars. Now, I think prosperity is important because we need to get this message out to this two million people that, that just died. But it's not the most important thing in this whole wide world because we ain't taking it with us. The most important thing is these two million souls that have died and are burning possibly half of them 
I don't know how many, in hell today. And it's easy for us. And I said us. To sit in our nice homes, our nice churches. And think, oh, that's just them. I don't know them. But it's our job to know them. Now, I'm not saying that we are responsible for every single person and every single person's blood is on our hands. But I will tell you what the Lord, in a few minutes, what the Lord told Brother Hagin about this. We are responsible for the ones He tells us to minister to. And if He told you to do something when you got saved and you didn't do it, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We all are. And we're going to give an account for the job He told us to do. Whether we did it or not. If He told you your job is to go to work at a tire shop and every person that comes in there, you're supposed to witness to them. Or you're supposed to tell them God has a plan for their life. And that's all you're supposed to do. Your whole life. Then He's going to hold you accountable for that. He's not going to hold you accountable for every person in Nigeria that Keith goes speak to. Unless you're supposed to give to Keith to go speak to them. So, are we clear that when you get saved, God tells you something? Yes. Yes, He does. That's about a third of you. Who's not clear on that? We'll go back over it. I'll back up. You know me. I'll, I'll go back over it again. We'll stay here till 4 o'clock. We've done it before. What was the late, latest we stayed? 5 o'clock? Yeah. Y'all think Keith can go long. I got him beat. I have got him beat. But you understand, when you get saved, the Lord tells you something to do. And if he hasn't been telling you anything to do, it's because you, you've become unfit for what he, he would tell you. So what you have to do, what you have to do, you want to know? Yeah. Is go like this. And say, Lord, I repent. I didn't do what you told me to do. Oh, that ugly word. I didn't do what you, and you may not can do that now. But the Lord is merciful. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. His mercies are new every single morning. And he'll say, you know what? That's not available anymore, but i got this for you now. And you can do this now. And he will tell you today what you need to do. And he'll get you right back on track. And He'll lead you right where you need to go. And His mercy will help you. And you'll get right back in the flood. But there's not a person in here. Not a person in here. Say it with me. That doesn't 
have a call, that God didn't tell you something to do when you got saved. I don't care how bad you were. You wasn't going out killing Christians. I don't think. And if you were, it's okay. Paul was. It's okay. God will forgive you. And he'll still give you a job to do. Doesn't matter what it was. God's a forgiving person. So the first thing, my first, I had three points. My first one was make a decision for God. And he'll give you direction. That's the first one. Make a decision and he'll give you direction. My second point is distractions once you've made that decision. Distractions. I know when Keith and I, I know when I got saved. I can't speak for Keith. I know when I got saved. I got saved and I got baptized. You've all heard the story. Keith tells it, I think, more often than I do. Got saved that night and they took me to the pond and baptized me and it was like freezing cold outside and the water was even more freezing cold. And, but it felt like a warm bathtub to me. And I came up and I was speaking in tongues. And all I cared about was witness, witnessing to the lost. Everybody that I came in contact with, I wanted to tell them about the Lord, about how wonderful he was. And I didn't know much because I was Catholic. And we'd never heard about how to witness to the Lord. How many Catholics in here ever heard about witnessing to the Lord? No, we never heard about that. We never heard about that sort of thing. No. But the Lord can teach you. You don't have to know much. But I witnessed to everybody that came in our office. I witnessed to people. I'd bring them home and say, this person's hurting. We, we need to minister to them. They're going through a rough time in their marriage. We need, I'd bring them home with me. I mean, I'd, I'd bring a stray dog home with me if I, I thought we could help them. And I'd tell Keith, you need to minister to them. I would. Because if they needed help, it was our job to help them. We knew more than they did. And if people had marriage troubles, I didn't know much about marriage. Our marriage was falling apart. But I'd get the Bible out and I'd say, we got to do this. you got to do this. we got to do this. we all got to do this. This is what the Bible says. And if they needed money, I'd get the Bible out. I didn't know much, but I'd find it. I knew it was in there. And I'd say, this is what you got to do. Because I knew that this book was the answer. And the thing about it is, I knew that the greater one now was living inside of me. But then come along all these distractions. The devil did his dead level best to destroy Keith and I. He was going to Bible school. I was working. I mean, he did everything in his power to destroy us. Distractions. Distractions. In this life, there are going to be distractions. Listen to Paul. Listen to what Paul says. I worked much harder. This is in 2 Corinthians. But you, you've got Bibles, right? How many in here do not have a Bible? Do not own a Bible of your very own? Anybody? That's what I thought. Okay, so you can look this up, right? Right? Okay. It says... I think we do people a disservice by telling them too much, okay? But this says, it's in 2 Corinthians verse, 
uh, chapter 11, verse 23. Are all servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk this way. I am more. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night at open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles. He can't get away from anybody. Jews or Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, in danger from false believers. From believers, from Jews, from Gentiles, where can he go? I've labored and I've toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger. I've known thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold. I've been naked. Besides anything, I face the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak that I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly, inwardly burn? In other words, there ain't nobody that's been through stuff that he says he hasn't been through. But did he quit? Did he quit? I think in our life, the devil is the master of distraction. The master. And let me explain to you two major things. What has this COVID been? A major, major distraction. It has been on everybody's mind. It's been in everybody's mouth. And it stopped people from feeling like they can do anything for the Lord. It's closed down churches. It's closed down everything. And instead of people talking about J E S U S, they've talked about what? What has been in people's mouth? COVID. Germs. Injections. When what should be in people's mouth is what? Jesus. These people that you sit by and that you know and that you come in contact with at your work, instead of talking to them about COVID and, and symptoms and all these things, we should be talking to them about Jesus. We should be asking them if they're ready to go. We should be bold enough in who we are to say, you know what, this COVID stuff is for real. Are you ready to go? You don't have to be pushy about it, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are not ready to go. And you have to be led of the Lord, but you do need to say, do you know God has a plan for your life? Are you ready to go? You could be working next to somebody that would pray with you instantly. There is a fear across the nation. And people have spent more time focusing and studying symptoms of COVID than they have Jesus, the body of Christ. 
to study symptoms. We're sent to study Jesus. And if we built ourselves up as much on Jesus as we did on symptoms, now I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I am convinced before we even knew there was a COVID. Last year, January, greater faith, I'm convinced I had COVID. But we didn't know there was a COVID. I'm convinced Tom had it. I'm convinced Amy had it. Y'all remember I had to leave in the middle of the service? I was coughing my head off. Y'all remember? Oh, (laughs) I couldn't even stay. But I didn't know there was a COVID. I didn't die. And it can't take you out if you won't let it. But if you focus on it night and day, then you give the devil more place in your life. Now, and another thing. Now, some of you may have to put your fingers in your ears. But you know me. That stupid election. More people preached the election than they did Jesus. And if as many people would have preached Jesus as they did that election, this two million people would have been saved. Two million people washed on, marched on Washington, D.C. If they'd have marched for Jesus, see how quiet you got? You don't like me right now. But that's okay. If every person that said those things would have said Jesus, we might have got more people saved. It was a distraction during the time of COVID when people were dying to talk about the election instead of talking about Jesus that we could have got people saved. Everybody focused on an election instead of salvations to get all these people saved. I am convinced of it. TV broadcasts were about an election instead of Do you know Jesus? And we are responsible. If there's people that you come across their path every single day and the Lord deals with you at any time to ask them about the Lord and you have not, I'm telling you, there is a judgment seat. This is not a fear tactic. This is not a scare tactic. People don't want to talk about this Bible. But guys, this is in the Bible. We are going to give an account at the judgment seat of Christ. We do have a responsibility to talk to people about the Lord. You do. I do. We have distractions happening every day in our lives. People have jobs to do. And you say, well, I I don't know if I'm supposed to just talk to people about the Lord. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe that's not your calling. But I know, even even here, we've talked about things. I know the Lord has blessed some people with houses, and I know the Lord has blessed some people with stuff. And we'll call people and we'll say, can you help in TV today? 
oh no, we just got a house, we can't help today, we have to do this, we're in the house, we have to get it set up, we have to do this. Well, who gave you that house? When the Hagans called us, I don't care if we were two hours away. We kept the Lord first. You may say, well, that's just the Hagans. That's not doing things for the Lord. I was going shopping with her at Saks. How is that helping the Lord? Oh, it's helping the Lord because it kept Brother Hagan from having to do that. That way he can study for his service for the weekend. People don't understand what it means to be in the ministry. People don't understand what it means to do things for the Lord. But guys, I'm being straight this morning because I don't know if you know it or not, but two million people died. And we have the privilege of having these cameras where the word goes out around the world. And we all have a duty to make sure that the... Does anybody know what hell is like? Have you ever stood close to... We have a bonfire in Branson. Have you ever stood close to that bonfire in Branson or close to a stove and got really, really hot? Anybody? Anybody got too close to a fire? What happens to you? Do you have to move away because it gets too hot and it burns up against you? It can get your legs red or burn up against you? That's not the worst part. Have you ever had anything that has tormented you in your life? A marriage? A job? I mean, really, really tormented you, your mind. Anybody? Tormented you? That is like a micromillimeter of what hell is like. You wouldn't want your worst enemy to go there. We should care enough about other people. People have gotten so self-focused on their own stuff that they don't have time to do what the Lord's called them to do. But it, it really doesn't matter the Lord is merciful and He is kind, but we're still going to give account for what He told us to do. Right. And everybody loves grace, but we're still going to give an account for what He told us to do. you got to read that part of the Bible too. Not just He wants you prosperous and blessed. Everybody don't like me right now, but that's okay. We can't be consumed with what we like to be consumed with. I know years ago, people would get in the pulpit and they would preach diet. And they would preach you have to drink this much water a day. And they would preach you need to eat this. And they would preach, I mean, they. how many of you heard, ever heard things like that? How many of you have been around long enough that you've heard things like that? Yeah, look at the hands. Look at the hands. That's not what the Pope is for. Not your opinion. I have an opinion about diet. You should eat. Yeah. 
exercise. You should get up and out and get out of bed every day and do what the Lord tells you to do. Every single person is different. Some people exercise too much. Some people exercise too little. There you go. And you have to be led. Because if you focus on exercise all the time, then your focus is on not Jesus. You ever seen weightlifters? They focus on what they're going to eat from the time they get up in the morning till the time they go to bed at night. They focus on every meal. Their whole focus is on what? Their body. It's not on Jesus. Everybody can get off track somewhere. Everybody can. No matter what it is, you can focus on your job. I did. And I got called on the carpet like I called Tom on the carpet this morning. I focused on my job. I was a workaholic. I love to work. But I shouldn't love it more than Jesus. I was working night and day and I was missing meetings. You hear me? I was working night and day and I was missing meetings. I was working night and day and I was missing meetings. Anybody in here guilty? Don't raise your hand. And after a service, Mom Hagen was sitting on that side of the auditorium about where Jade's sitting. And I was sitting on this side of the auditorium about where Tom and Amy's sitting. I kid you not, I didn't know where she was going. She got up from her seat over there. I was sitting here. I was getting up, getting ready to go out. She cornered me over here in this corner. I'd never, I hadn't even hardly met her yet. Keith was first year Rama. She said, what you doing? I said, Excuse me? I was scared. I, was, I mean, it's almost scared to death. I almost wet my pants. <laughs> I'm serious. This is the anointed woman of God. I didn't know her like I knew her later on. It'd be like me calling some of you. Saying, what you doing? I said, I'm sorry. I don't understand, Mrs. Hagen. I didn't call her mom then. She said, uh... How come you've been missing so many meetings? Leaving Keith up here by himself. I said, uh, I've been working so he could get in, so he didn't have to work. It was an excuse. You can always have an excuse. There's lots of good excuses. The devil will provide them. If from church you'll stay away. What's that old song, Rob? Rob and Carrie know it real well. And I said, I've been working. She said, well, you either need to change jobs. I thought, change jobs? God gave me that job. Or do whatever it takes to get here. Because if you don't, somebody's going to get your husband. They think he's single. I thought, yes, ma'am. And she walked away. She said, there's a, well, she went on to say, there's a lot of single women in here that don't care if a man's married. There's a lot of married women in here that don't care if a man's married. I thought, yes, ma'am. Okay, I'll be here. And I was there. What right did she have to tell me that. I 
I wasn't a student. I wasn't an employee. I wasn't even a volunteer. Please, someone tell me what right she had to tell me that. Somebody, please, make it clear to me why I had to submit to her. Oh, there's that ugly word. Someone, please, make it clear to me. Because God told us to go to Ramah. And the minute God told us to go to Ramah, when he told Keith to go to Ramah, he told Phyllis to go to Ramah. And that meant if Keith submits, Phyllis submits. People don't like it that plain. And people don't like their elders telling them what to do. But do you know what? Why are we able to stand here today? It's like Brother Hagin said. Because of the things he suffered is why he got where he was. Because of the things we went through. Because of the things we endured and we didn't quit. It's real easy to get distracted. I could have gotten furious and said, what right has she to tell me what to do? Who does she think she is? And left the church and left the school and never went back with Keith. I could have got offended. Like, I'm going to say 50% of the church does. That's a big number when somebody tells them what to do. But, guys, they miss out on God's best. You won't convince me that there's another person in the whole wide world. In the, and I said the whole wide world. The whole wide world that has been as blessed as Phyllis Moore. There's not been another person that has been as... I don't know of one thing, not one, that I have ever believed God for that I haven't gotten. Not one. I don't know of anything that my heart desires. Keith will ask me, Phil, what do you want for Christmas? Phil, what do you want for your birthday? Phil, what do you... There's not one. And I don't say that to be proud. I say it because and it don't come from thinking that you're honoring God and you're not honoring those over you. Distractions. They will come in all shapes, forms, sizes, packages. They're going to come. They're, they're going to come and it's going to be the devil trying to tug at your arm and get you to get out. He's going to pull you. Get out of the ministry. 
get out of the ministry. Go, go over here and do this. Get offended. I know pastors right now. They got offended about something. They were working for us. They left us. People were, I mean, they went someplace else, started a church. We thought, it's not right. It's not time. It's not right. Not quite ready. Not right. Got offended at us. Totally and completely out of the ministry today. Changed their name. Why do we tell you these things? Because we want to do this to you? No. Why did mom do that to me? Because she wanted to control my life and make me come to a service? Absolutely not. No way, no how, not in 10 million years. She had, she had 5 million people that they knew. And I look back at it now and I think, oh God, what an honor and a privilege that she, the Lord gave her that and she took the time. She could have just said, oh, forget it. I don't even hardly know her. What do I care if she loses her marriage? She should be paying closer to attention to the Lord than that. She don't care enough to come to church? Forget her. She don't love the Lord any more than that? Forget her. Let her live her own life. I've got enough to think about. We've got 2,000 students and all this and all that, but no. She loved me enough to take the time to talk to me to take care of that. In your life, there are going to be times that someone over you, someone around you is going to tell you something. You're going to have a choice. You can get offended and leave. Or you can say, I don't understand it all right now, but I'm going to do what they said. I may understand it better later. And boy, do I understand it better later. I thought all Christians were Christians. And all people in Bible school wanted to serve the Lord. I mean, I did. I was dumb, you know. Dear Lord, people come to Bible school for all sorts of reasons. And most of them ain't to serve the Lord. I know I worked in the admissions office for years. I was over the school in a lot of ways. And it wasn't to serve the Lord. Oh, help me, Lord. Shut up. What are you consumed with? Do you get up in the morning thinking about how you can help other people? Or do you just get up thinking about how I can make my life better? Your pile of money over here, your pile of things, your big pile of stuff that I was going to burn is going to burn with you. I think I, I think I got to do it. Rob, go ahead and get that. Okay, then we're going to show you. Just you do it. Just hold it up here. Dan, bring that trash can. Then we're going to show you the difference in it. You've got all this. This is your money. Money is not bad. 
We need money to go to Nigeria to get people saved. We need money to go to Samoa to get people saved, to buy boats, to buy buildings. You've got to have it. But if this is what you have, don't you burn my Bible. I'll burn your boys' coats. Okay, this is your money. You dead. This is what's going to happen to it. Burn it up. Up there is going to happen to it. You see it? That's real. You see it? That's real. That's exactly what's going to happen to your money. You see how real that is? Now, 25 people come stand over here. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Rob and Dan, you can be a part of it. Come over here. 25 people. 30 people, 100 people. I don't care. Just jump up and come over here real quick. Just get over here real quick. That's your money. Smells good, doesn't it? You smell it? That's just what's going to happen. Quickly, get over here. You don't have to do it. Just group. Get in a big group. You don't have to line up. Just get in a big group. Now, this is all the people you led to the Lord. They're all going with you. This burned up. This burned up. You don't see it. It's gone. It disappeared. Do you understand that? Your houses, your lands, your stuff, it's all gone. But look at all this. This is all the people that you witnessed to through the year. You got this one healed. You got this one saved. You, this one rededicated its life to the Lord. This one you ministered to and, and they became a minister. And this one you got, led their kids to the Lord. And All of these are going with you. Do you understand that? This will never go away. Never go away. Do you see that? It's with you. Thank you, guys. Now, this, you need it. Don't get me wrong. I love Keith's preaching because we have to have it. You, the chair you're sitting in, the cameras that we're ministering to all around the world, you have to have it. But if you focus more on that than you do on this, it's going to cost you that. My favorite verse, if anybody ever asks, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. All of them will be added to you. That's why I love to give. You can get somebody saved in an instant, giving them something. Okay, so distraction. You got it. Don't let things distract you. When the whole world, whether it's the body of Christ or whoever it is, is focused on this... It should be a great big sign to you what time is it for you to focus on Jesus, to start ministering about Jesus. Again, what if two million people had gone around the globe witnessing, marching in cities for Jesus? I don't want your letters. Are your cards, the office will probably put them in file 13. And I know it's important. I know these things are important, but we'll, we'll get there in just a minute. Okay. I want to read you this. Keith read out of this book the other day. I want to read it to you. Let's see here. You got time. If you don't, tough. It says, this is his 
I Believe in Visions book. It says on page 40 in his I Believe in Visions book, if you want to write it down, it says, I see Jesus. He says, come up hither. The voice again said, then I looked and saw Jesus standing about where the top of the tent would be. As I looked up again, the tent had disappeared. The folding chairs had disappeared. Every tent pole had disappeared. The pulpit had disappeared. And God permitted me to see into the spirit realm. Jesus was standing there. Now, you're listening, right? And I stood in his presence. He was holding a crown in his hands. This crown was so extraordinarily beautiful that human language cannot begin to describe it. Jesus told me, this is a soul winner's crown. My people are so careless and indifferent. This is Jesus talking. This crown is for every one of my children. I speak and say, go speak to this one or pray for that one. But my people are too busy. They put it off and souls are lost because they will not obey me. When Jesus said that, I wept before him and I knelt down and I repented of my failures. Then Jesus said to me again, come up hither. And it seemed as though I went up to, in the air and we didn't come back we didn't, and until we came to a beautiful city. We did not actually go into the city, but we beheld it at close range as one might go up on a mountain and look down into a city, into a valley. Its beauty was beyond words. Just, Jesus said that the people selfishly say they're ready for heaven. They talk about their mansions and the glories of heaven while many around them live in darkness and hopelessness. Jesus said, I should share my hope with them and invite them to come to heaven with me. Describe some other people I've heard of. I won't say who. But what Jesus told Brother Hagin was, he would tell him who to go and speak to, when to speak to them, and it was our job to obey when he told us to do that. That's who we will be accountable for. We don't have the blood of everybody on our hands, but we are responsible for the ones he tells us to minister to. It doesn't matter if it's midnight or two in the morning, if it's cold outside, if it's warm outside, if it's snowing, if it's sunshine and you plan to go to the beach. If, if you have a duty for the Lord, it's like the young, rich young ruler. He didn't want to turn loose of what he had. There's, there's everything in our lives that we can make excuses that we don't want to do what the Lord asked us to do. But it doesn't do away with the fact that we're still going to be accountable for what he told us to do. It said, and there's other places that it talks about crowns. It says those who are faithful and are committed to the service, which what 
is what we were just talking about, committed to His service, or promised that they will be crowned with honor and glory and immortality in eternal life. And Paul spoke of an incorruptible crown, and James spoke of a faith, the faithful receiving the crown of life. So there are crowns for what we do down here. So many people have preached so many things other than what God told us to preach in the Great Commission. When Paul did that, and he says all the things that he went through, the Lord told him, you know, he, he told about all the trials and stuff that he went through. He had to get determined which is my third point, that he was not going to quit. And the Lord told him this in Acts 23. He said, Paul, take courage. As you've testified of me in Jerusalem, you'll testify of me also in Rome. And he also told him this. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, you press toward the mark. Of the what? This is the title of my sermon today. The prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We have a high calling in Christ Jesus. Say, I have a high calling. Say, I have a high calling. Say, I have a high calling. Doesn't matter if you're called to stand behind a pulpit. I don't feel like I'm called to stand behind a pulpit. I feel like I'm called to the helps ministry. Help Brother Keith. But I have a calling. I have a high calling. It's a high calling. And if God called you to this church, you have a calling. How many of you did God call to this church? Oh, my. You have a calling. You know what that calling is? Help Brother Keith. Whether you like it or not. Just like when the Lord called Brother Keith to Ramah, he called me to Ramah. So if a flower needs to be planted, help Brother Keith. Do you want Brother Keith out there planting flowers? And, and I don't mean these things to be ugly, but that is the high calling. It's part of the high calling. If a TV camera operator needs to, is needed, that's the high calling. Because then if somebody needs to get saved around the world, that is part of your calling. We have a high calling. It's part of our calling. If something needs to be cleaned up on the carpet out here, I've cleaned it up many a time. We have a high calling. It's a precious calling. 
No matter what the Lord told Paul to do, you, you, you can pretend like it's just easy just to do it and there's going to be no distractions, but did Paul have distractions? Did he have complications? He had to determine to go forward, and he did. Let me tell you what the Great Commission is. Put Mark 16, 14, and I want us to read it together. In uh, King James, Mark 16, 14. It says, y'all ready? Ready, let's go. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven, and they sat at meat, and upbraided them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him when he was risen. And he said unto them, Go into all the world. Preach politics. Preach COVID. The gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Go ye into all the world. Maybe you're not supposed to go ye into all the world, but maybe you're supposed to be hooked with somebody that is going into all the world. The TV cameras, the airplanes. We all have a call, and we all need to hook to that call and do what the Lord told us to do. Let's let's not let another two million people go without wondering if we've done what we were supposed to do. Let's get in with both feet. I know my heart hurt when I heard how many people it was. You know, my heart hurt the other day when I saw that stuff on TV. How many of your people, your hearts hurt? Oh, it hurt. It hurt. And if it didn't hurt, it hurt. I cried. Because I thought we're better than all this. We are an example to the world. And we should be preaching goodness and love and kindness. And it's who we are. And if you don't like what I said, I'm sorry. I still love you. We have a job to do. We have to preach what the Lord tells us to preach. And we have to witness to those around us. How many of you know five people that are not saved? How many of you know ten people that are not saved? How many of you know twenty people that are not saved? You see what I'm saying? We've got a job to do. And we have to start with those around us. Let's stand up.
The Lord said, He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. We will win the world with His goodness. We will win the world with His love. And the more that we can go out and show people how good He is, how happy He is, what a healing God He is, what a God full of love He is, the more people are going to come in these doors. But we have to know it ourselves. So we go out and we smile and we love and we give. And if we'll do that, these chairs, these pews, these through the cameras are going to be just saturated with people. So the people that you know, I'm going to give you a commission, like Mark. I'm going to give you a commission. The people that you know that are not saved, don't go preach to them. Give to them. Love them. Be kind to them. I mean, do things for them. You'll see how they, they will turn and they will open up to you. Try to help them. And they'll begin to change and turn and become more open to what you would have to say. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Father God, I just pray over each and every person in this place. And I pray if there are those that don't know you now, Father that they could come to know you. We don't want anyone to go to hell in this place, Father. It's a horrible place. I pray for them, Father. And I ask you that you would draw them unto you. And if there are those in this room, Father, that don't know you, if there's those over the Internet that don't know you, there's those in Branson that don't know you, I ask you, Father, to draw them unto you. I ask you, Father, if there's been people in this room that they've gotten away from the call that you called them to, that you would stir it up back in them, Father, big, so that they could see that you have a call on their life, Father, to do what you've called them to do. Get stirred up for the things of God, not for the things of this world. If you're in here and I was praying for you and you don't know the Lord, just say this after me. Father God, I do want to serve you. And I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I will serve you all the days of my life. And for those of you who do know him, say this. Father God, I'm going to get on track. And do the things that you've called me to do. Not be distracted to the left. Not be distracted to the right. But stir up the fire within me. To minister to those you've called me to minister to. And be a witness for you. Greater than I've ever been. I love you Lord. And I thank you for all you've done for me and my family and those about me. Thank you, Lord. You guys can sing something.